0: If you want to experience supernatural intervention of God, you must abide in Christ. And one of the ways we do that is when we're overwhelmed by God, when we understand how great He is. You are listening to a message preached by Pastor Bogdan Kipko at Forward Church in Irvine, California. For more information about Forward Church, please visit forward.fm. If you have your Bibles, please open um, them or your app to First John chapter one, verses one through four. So, First John chapter one, verses one through four, and this is a text that I believe is going to provide us incredible clarity um, about who Jesus is. Now, I I'll have to warn you if you're somebody who comes from a church background. Let's say you grew up in the church, you've been going to church your entire life you might gloss over this text because it's way too familiar for you. So when I I say something such as the clarity of Christmas, you might say, well, of course I know what Christmas is all about. To that, I want to say, great, I'm glad you know what Christmas is all about. So today's message is going to reinforce what you already believe, and I hope that some parts of it will appear to you in a very fresh way. Now, maybe you're here this, um, this evening, and you haven't grown up in a church culture, and Christmas is not something that you truly grasp what it actually is. This is a message for you tonight. I hope that as, as you listen to it, um, you'll understand more exactly um, what it is. And so, if we look at this particular text, I want to read it with you today. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Here's what the author is saying in this text he's saying that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the father and was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard. We proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Turn to your neighbor and say, so that your joy may be complete. Good. I love it. So here's, kind of the first thing that I want to talk about. There's an incredible difference between Jesus and every other religious leader out there. Jesus comes to earth. He's called the eternal life. And Jesus doesn't just show us a way to live life. Jesus is life. Jesus says about himself, I am the eternal life. And in every other religion the founder points to eternal life, but in Christianity, Jesus Christ comes to earth and he says, I am salvation. I am the eternal life. And so I believe that far too often we miss the point of Christmas because far too often we think that Christmas is about the infancy of Jesus, that he was a little baby, and he was, but I think what's more important is we need to understand that Christmas was about the deity of Jesus, that he was God. That, I believe, is much, much more Important. And so every other religious leader that exists in this world is going to point to what you have to do, only Jesus points to what he has done for you. And that's the difference. And a lot of people that I've talked to, they kind of, those people that are maybe averse to Christianity or they don't like this whole Jesus thing, here's what they tend to say They tend to say, Why is Christianity so dogmatic? Why do I have to follow a set of rules and I have to read this book and do all these things? Why can't I just be a good person? And so these people say to me, look, I, I'm a good person. I'm nice to people in my life. Um, I, don't, I don't steal. I don't rob people. I'm faithful to my spouse. Like I'm doing everything good. Why is that not enough for God to love me? Why do I need Jesus? And these people say, you know what, I don't like doctrine, I don't like religion. Well, here's the problem, my friends. If you know people who think that way, or maybe you have thought that way in your mind, the problem is you've created your own religion, and your doctrine is called salvation by works. You guys with me? This is a doctrine that ultimately people portray and say, you know what, I'm going to save myself. Now, here's where the problem is. There's two issues that a person who does this will face in their life. The first issue is the following. They will become incredibly prideful when they realize that their performance is significantly better than everybody else in their life. They will compare themselves to other people. They'll say, my marriage is better than, th- than theirs. I'm more successful than they are. I do more good things. I'm more philanthropically connected than you are. I donate more to charity than you do. I sponsor more kids in Africa than you do. Therefore, I'm a better person. And that puffs a person up because they try to elevate themselves above everybody else. Now here's a second position that a person will experience a problem in. If they're not gonna become prideful, they're gonna become devastated because when they start to look around and compare themselves, they're like, wow, I'm not as good as my neighbor. I'm not as good as my friend. I'm not as good as my peer. I don't sponsor as many kids in Africa. I don't donate as much to philanthropic organizations. I'm not as nice to my spouse. So one position leads to pride. The other position leads to devastation. Both are wrong because both are self-salvation projects. Only Jesus is the God who comes and says, you cannot save yourself. I know that, therefore I will do it for you, and I will give you this brand new life. You guys with me? This is only found in Christianity, not any other religion. Every other religion is going to shame you, or they're going to put you down when you don't perform, but only Jesus is the one who comes to you amidst your shame and says, I will take your shame, I will take your guilt, I will take your sin, I will take your wrong things, I'll put it upon myself, and I give you my holiness and my righteousness. Jesus is the only God who finds you at your worst and still accepts you. Jesus is the only God who is a bottom feeder in a sense that he goes to the least, to the last, to the lost, to the oppressed, to the marginalized. He finds those and he says, you can't save yourself. You figured that out. Great. I'm going to save you. That's the difference between Christianity and every other religion. And I believe that it is the gospel, the good news. Why do I love the gospel so much? And why should you? Because it's good news for bad people. And that's us. That's us. We, we can't save ourselves. We've done so many wrong things. We, we are unable to save ourselves. And there's hope for those that don't respond well to the message, just be better or just work harder. So if you're here tonight and you're exhausted from listening to a message that says work harder or try harder or be better, I'm telling you right now, the gospel is so refreshing. Because the gospel says, if you're bad, Christmas is for you. That's the joy of Christmas. We don't need to save ourselves, And this is why Christmas is not just another great sentimental holiday story. You know, you might have a tradition in your household where you watch Christmas movies. And my wife and I do the same thing. We have a ton of favorite Christmas movies that we watch. But there's one particular element in most Christmas movies that we watch. And the element is that it is... Fiction. It's not true. And most often in those movies, there's something portrayed, something really magical, something very kind of like out of this world, like for example, Santa Claus, right? So, those of you guys that still believe in Santa Claus, just cover yours for a minute. But um, the point is that when we watch these movies, we get captured by them because we think, wow, this is so amazing. But deep down inside, we know it's not true. The difference between most of the movies that you watch. And the story of Christmas about Jesus being born is that Jesus actually was born. The story of Christmas is not a fable. It's not a myth. It actually happened in space and time. And this is what I love when when John says the following. John said, we heard, we saw, and we touched. Think about it for a moment. John is building a case. John is emphatically saying these words to us because this is a deposition. John is essentially going to the court of law in this text and testifying to people who might not believe that Jesus actually existed. And he said, no, he did. Because we heard him, we saw him, and we touched him, and we know it's true. That's what John does. And so... The problem with people who are skeptics is they're denying the reality, what Christmas is all about, that it actually really happened. Now, here's the issue with most people. Many people are willing to believe in Jesus if he remains merely a spiritual reality. Why do you think people embrace Christmas when you go to a mall, when you When you're driving through your neighborhood and there's Christmas lights and you see the word Christmas everywhere, why do you think our culture so rapidly embraces Christmas? Because most people in our culture think Christmas is just about a fairy tale. Most people don't believe that Christmas is about a little Jewish baby who was born, who was a king, whom everyone in the world will ultimately bow down to. Because the moment you put that element into the story is the moment people are like, whoa. Don't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me what to do. So people are very quick to embrace Christmas, but they're even quicker to reject Christ. So when you look at our culture today, people ignore this particular text. And so when we preach Christ, we say that he became a man... He died on a cross for particular lives, for particular people. This preaching is not acceptable to many people because then if it's true, if Jesus was really born, if Jesus is really God, it means we must obey him. And many people don't want to do that. And I think that it's not the stumbling block that there was divinity in humanity. I think people are okay with that. People are okay with the fact that God became a man and he became the God man. People are cool with that. That's fine. Supernatural occurrence, no problem. Myths, fables, Greek mythologies have all this kind of stuff. The problem is when this little baby Jesus was born and the Bible says he is king, he is God. And that's where the issues come up. People don't want to agree to that. Because here's the thing. If Jesus is God, that means that whatever he says is law, what he does, we must obey and follow. And everything he said, everything he wrote in the Bible, everything he wants us to do, we must obey him. And that's where the real problem comes in. People don't want universal authority over their own life. And the fact that Jesus was God ultimately knocks at our self-preservation and our pretense that we can survive on our own. And most people, the cultural elite, or even maybe some of us at one particular point, we said to ourselves, how in the world am I going to believe a Jewish man who lived 30 years in relative obscurity, and he's going to tell me what to do. But that's the claim of the Bible. That's the claim of Jesus. How are we ever going to accept that this king, this little baby said, I'm the way, the truth and life, no one comes to the Father except by me. It's a little baby in a manger. It's hard for us to believe this. So I believe that it is a very totalitarian message. It's authoritarian. It's like incredible. I mean, how can, how can this message be so absolute? Who can say this kind of thing? I know who. God. God can say it, and he did. This is why we must believe this. So we might be wondering, well... Come on, John, you're writing this letter. Why are you being so theatrical? Why are you being so emphatic? Oh, you touched, you saw, you heard. No, John's like, wait a minute, don't, don't miss my, my point. I'm testifying to you what happened. And John is saying, if you want to have the experience that I did, experiencing these things, you must believe in Jesus. Only then will you have fellowship with the God of the universe. This is court language. It's not just a set of nice stories. He really lived. He really died. He really rose from the dead. It's like I always say during our Easter messages, how can you prove to somebody that you're God, come back from the dead. There's been only one person who's done that, and that's Jesus. So you might be wondering, well, why should you care? I remember when I was in seminary and they taught us the, uh, the concept of preaching and how people's um, mind works when they're listening to preaching. Um, the one thing they always said to us is every single point you make, you must continuously answer the following question. So what? Why does this matter for me? I'm going to tell you why. I'm glad you asked. I was doing some research and um, researchers actually did a study on our social patterns, and here's what they said. They said that if a person is experiencing very, like, a lot of stress, or they're under great duress in their life, and they're experiencing a lot of emotions, and a lot of turmoil, and a lot of issues, if that person simply finds one other person with whom they can share their problems, or their struggles, or their issues with, and that a person actually listens to them, And the person says, you know what, I totally understand you. I've gone through the same thing. That in itself sometimes is incredibly healing to that person. And how many of us experience that? We had an incredibly bad day, stressful day at work, and we come home to our spouse or we come home to our family or to our friend, and they listen to us. There's no illusion they did listen to us. And they look you straight in the eye and they say, I totally get you. They say, I totally understand what you're going through. And at that point, you feel relief. Your problem did not go away, but the weight of the problem did. You guys with me? So this is why we crave communication. We crave this koinonia, this uh, concept of community. We want to do that. We want to experience it with other people. We've all experienced that in our life. And this is why when you're, do you know that when you're in a group of people and when everybody's laughing about a joke or something happened, the person that you look to first is the person that you like the most. You do that because you love community. You, your heart craves to be with other people. You might be wondering, why is that the case? Well, imagine this the ultimate being of the universe, God, understands you even infinitely more than your friend or your spouse ever did or could. He did. Jesus does. I remember um, a couple of weeks ago we had a family function and I was, um, I was driving my, um, my grandma home. And my grandma is approaching 80 years old. And I'm driving her home and she lives by herself in an apartment and I asked her the question, I'm like, Grandma, I'm like, don't you get lonely living by yourself? And she's like, lonely? Of course not! I'm socializing all day long, sometimes at night. I have such an incredible social life. I have such a community. And I'm like, who are you hanging out with? What are you you talking about? I know your schedule. And she's like, Let me tell you, I'm never lonely because I'm hanging out with three people all the time. I'm like, who? She's like, let me tell you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And she's like, we talk about everything all day long. Sometimes at night, when I can't fall asleep, I'm talking to them again. It is great. I never feel lonely. I'm like, man, this is some spiritual growth that I personally have to go through to get to your level. She said that when she is with them, she's never lonely. She always feels a sense of peace and of God's presence. Friends, if you want to experience this, look no further than Jesus. That's the whole point. He came to earth. He came to earth to dwell with us. And here's the difference between Jesus and all other religious leaders. Jesus craved to be with us. Jesus left heaven and gave up everything in order to be with you and with me. All of the religious leaders say, you know what, come to me. Only Jesus said, I'm going to come down and see you. And that's what he did. So you might be wondering, well, what's the point of Christmas? Well, I believe that one of the main reasons about Christmas is that fellowship is possible. It's this concept called koinonia. Once again, when we go back to when you're hanging out with your friends and you're having such a great time. And John is saying that if you believe in Jesus, you can have the same type of fellowship with him as if you saw him, you heard him, and you touched him. Can you imagine that? Jesus is the solution to our loneliness. Jesus is the solution when we feel rejected, not validated, not accepted. When we feel like we're less than. Jesus said, no, you're more than. And I proved it to you by coming to earth. So Jesus is basically saying that if you believe in me, you can have this kind of relationship. Now here's where the problem comes in. There's a great danger with some movements in Christianity today where they say that the way you can have fellowship with other people or the way you have unity with other people is through a particular type of experience, not through a particular type of theology. So people say, the only way you can have fellowship is if you experience this particular thing. And if you don't, you're not in it. But Jesus talks about a completely different thing. John here says that this is eternal life. Jesus came. All you have to do is believe in him. That Jesus died for your sin. And you can have uh, koinonia and fellowship with him. Because experience changes theology does not people say, you know what, the reason I do these kinds of things in my life is because I have a generational curse on me. They say, my family has this curse on me, and this is why I act the way that I do. And I want to tell you guys, this is false. The Bible says this, in Galatians chapter 3, verses, uh, verse 13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Romans 8.1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And finally, Jesus says this, If the Son sets you free, you're what? You're free Indeed. Friends, there is no such a thing as generational curses because Jesus took your curse. And it was nailed upon the cross 2,000 years ago. And we can have freedom. And we can have fellowship. Not because we experienced something, but because we believed in somebody. And that someone is Jesus. Amen? So this is why we gather together in coin and Ian Fellowship. We don't need something supernatural or spectacular. We need these words that John wrote to us today, and they're divinely inspired. So, if you're here tonight and you believe in Jesus, Jesus is all you need. Jesus is all you have. You don't need to experience something crazy. You don't need to have somebody do something strange to you. No, you just believe. And the sun sets you free. That's what Christmas is all about. So to say you have fellowship with the Father and His Son means that you have come to share their values. You love what God loves. You value what God loves. You treasure what God treasures. You pursue what God pursues. That's what fellowship means. So if we as a church are celebrating Christmas it's because we want to do the things that God wants us to do. How do you do that? You read the Bible. I know, it's an incredibly non-spectacular way. How in the world are we going to connect to God through paper? Because God wrote it through prayer, through scripture reading. This is why the Bible says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, Glory glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Friends, let me ask you a question What other God would do this? Only Jesus. Jesus came to us lowly human beings and considered us valuable and worthy enough to die for us on the cross. So Christmas and the incarnation means that God went to infinite lengths to make himself one whom we can know personally. So I want to ask you a question. During this Christmas season, what's stealing your joy? What's robbing you of the joy that Jesus has given you? Is it because people have rejected you? Jesus too was rejected, and yet he accepts us. Are you experiencing loneliness or frustration? Jesus too in the Garden of Gethsemane felt loneliness and frustration, yet he conquered all of that and he gives us his peace. He says, I am Emmanuel, God with you, God with us. Are you experiencing not, not pe- people not accepting you, people rejecting you, people not loving you, people not validating you? You don't need people to do that for you because Jesus already did that. Everything we could ever want, all the joy, all the pleasure, all the peace, we find in Christ. He's our utmost. He's our highest. He's the greatest object of our affection. And only when he becomes that will we experience this joy of Christmas. That this is not some sort of a warm and fuzzy feeling. So as we conclude this message and as the worship team comes up, I want to give you the following. I want to tell you something. I, I remember distinctly when I was trying to share the gospel with one of my coworkers. I was praying and I was hoping that God would, 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 would just break his, his hard heart and that he would accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And as I'm sharing the gospel with my coworker, worker here's what, what's happening. He's saying to me, you know what? If I even darkened the door of a church, I would burst into flames because of all the things I've done in my life. And at that point, I tried to explain to him that that's the beauty of Jesus. He sees your checkered past, He sees your sin, He sees your flaws, He sees your shame. He sees your guilt. He sees even your unrepentant ways. And he still beckons you and he says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. This is the Jesus of Christmas, my friends. A Jesus that sees your faults, your flaws, your habits and your hangups and says, I still love you. I still accept you. And I still want to lavish you with this incredible scandalous grace that is so difficult for the natural heart to believe but when the Holy Spirit quickens your dead heart and you come alive you begin to realize how great it is and it's not that you're saving yourself it's that Jesus saves you and that my friends is the beauty and the splendor and majesty of Christmas amen amen You are listening to a message preached by Pastor Bogdan Kipko at Forward Church in Irvine, California. For more information about Forward Church, please visit forward.fm.